Gaudete, Rejoice Sunday is probably one of the favorite Sundays in the year. Some of you were clearly looking forward to this Sunday and hence all the pink in the assembly. Some of you were probably oblivious about Gaudete Sunday, but no matter what, if we just open our eyes and our ears, we can perceive how the church wants to communicate the joy of this Sunday. We hear a lot about joy. We heard a lot about in the prayers. Prayers are even redundant. We celebrate these joys with glad rejoicing. Obviously, in the readings, we hear the organ much more than any other Sunday in Advent. We see flowers, which we normally don't. During Advent, we see the vestive vestments as well today. We like this day because, of course, as human beings, we like joy. But we really like joy because, as human beings, we need joy. So here's a question. How can joy be more than something that we feel for, say, an hour or so at this Mass? How can, as St. Paul said so very clearly, that it is God's will, we can rejoice always? Is that actually some kind of symbolic nonsense? Or is that, in truth, a possibility? Can we rejoice always? Can we find a kind of joy that is not just what we feel depending on what is happening? Especially when so many times what happens is something that goes so beyond our control. Can we rejoice? If we go to the readings, we can find one very important key. In the first reading, we heard, I rejoice heartily in the Lord. And then, because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor. Here, very clearly, joy is not just something that we feel momentarily, but it is connected to a mission. And then in the psalm, which is Mary's Magnificat, as we sang, my soul rejoices in my God, then we hear, we hear Our Lady saying, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And again, joy is not just something that we feel within our own hearts, sad, but it's more. It becomes an action, a proclamation. And then when we go to the Gospel, we see the example of St. John the Baptist. And everything we learn about John is that he was sent on a mission. Specifically, that mission was to testify to that light. Elsewhere, Jesus describes John as a lamp that burned and gave light. So light, light itself is such an important thing in our lives. Light speaks of life. Life speaks of warmth, of joy. Without light, we cannot see the goodness of this life. Without light, really, we cannot live. When we think about that, light is actually present always and everywhere. If we go back to the very beginnings of history, and as believers, we go to the first book of Scripture, the very first act in God's creation was God saying, let there be light. 
Interestingly, though, the Lord did not overcome light, uh, darkness back then. He separated light from darkness. And fast forward, we go to the end of history, and so we go to the book of Revelation. And we read then that God will be the light. In between these two extremes, the beginning of everything and the end of everything, history is a constant tension or conflict between light and darkness. And these are not just ideas, hopefully interesting ideas, but this is something that we absolutely experience directly. We see the world, what's going on in the world, there is this conflict, aggressive conflict between light and darkness. We see this at play as well in the church, and if we're honest, we see this very clearly in our own hearts. Now, these days of the year, we see this tension between light and darkness as well in nature. It is getting very dark and very cold. But at the same time, as darker as it gets, then we also know that light is coming. That a turning point in the year when the days begin to grow, where we receive more light and warmth, is approaching. And it is so eloquent that precisely these are the final days of preparation for Christmas. And Christ came as light. He came as a dawn from on high, as a son of justice, as light of the world. He comes again as light. And we will see in the upcoming Sundays how the theme of light unfolds. Christ comes again. But now, not just to separate light from darkness, but to overcome darkness. It is so clear that joy is not just that passing nice emotion that we might feel at times, but that lasting joy has to be something different. Lasting joy comes from two actions. The first one is to actively receive the light of Christ to choose to be open and vulnerable and docile so that that light of the coming of Christ can make a difference in our lives. If we think about the upcoming coming of Christ as something that we'll just think about and that will do nothing to our lives, what a waste. So the first action is to choose to receive this light again and, and to be willing to be changed. And the second, as it is so clear in the readings today, is to testify to the light. Real joy needs both, to receive and to testify. It is really dark out there, physically and spiritually. But the light is coming. So the next few days before Christmas, which is just one week, these days need to be special days. They will be busy, of course. So we need to make sure that we have time for quality prayer so that we can be responsive and receive. Receive the light that is coming and testify to the light. We will all, no doubt, have so many occasions to testify to the light these days and to make a difference for someone. 
we'll be with friends and families, we'll probably do some shopping, we'll see people at the store, we will surely see some poor people on the streets. Who else will bring glad tidings to them? Who else will proclaim the greatness of the Lord? That is our mission. This week, that is our mission. And if we're willing to do that, to receive and to testify to the light, then joy will last because it will not depend on how nice this week will be. It will be an action, a commitment, our mission. And in that way, we will be able to see clearly how light actually comes and how light overcomes darkness.